Gilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4 o'clock. Um, we're going to talk with uh, Craig Glenday, who is the editor-in-chief of the Guinness Book of World Records. The new edition comes out, the 2021 edition comes out on, on September 3rd, and uh, we'll talk to him. Right now, though, we want to welcome Dr. Bradley Garrett to uh, the show. Um, he's the author of Bunker, Building for the End Times. Um, he is a cultural geographer, an expert on exploration and urban politics and subterranean spaces as well, and uh, author of many books, the latest of which, again, is called Bunker, Building for the End Times. Uh, and we wel- welcome Dr. Uh, Dr. Bradley uh, Garrett to the show. Doctor, welcome. Hey, Nick. It's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, how, how did you get into being a cultural geographer, as, you're, as you mentioned, in your urban politics, subterranean spaces? How did all of this come about? Um, well, I, I, uh, my previous career was as an archaeologist, and uh, I was exploring subterranean spaces all over the world. And I started running into these bunkers uh, that were built during the Cold War, uh, and I just became fascinated with what, what was going to happen to these spaces. So I started tracking some of them, and it turns out that a lot of them were being purchased by doomsday preppers, people that were building for the end of the world, essentially. Uh, they were they were buying these spaces and kicking them out with nuclear, biological, and chemical air filters, stocking them with food, um, and uh, and preparing for a range of calamities. Uh, nuclear war is the obvious one that that you know comes to comes to most people's minds, but people were also thinking about social unrest, uh, artificial intelligence going out of control, um, uh, climate change. You know, people were people are people are worried right now. Yeah. That people feel that the the future is uncertain, and these spaces that were, of course, never used for their intended purpose during the Cold War, uh, suddenly became alluring to some of these property developers. And that that was the beginning of this project. Oh, okay, that's the beginning of the project. And what other what other projects have you done in the past? You've written uh, uh, several books about urban exploration. Uh, tell me about some of the books that you've written in the past and some of the other adventures that you've had exploring. Yeah, well, my la- my last project, yeah, it was with urban explorers, and I, I spent a lot of time sneaking into off limit spaces, including a lot of places in Chicago that I I shouldn't have been in. Oh, wait a minute! You got I'm, hold on. We can't you can't you can't gloss over that. Where where were you forbidden to go in Chicago <laughs> that you went to? So. If if you uh, if you walk across some of those bridges across the river, yeah, there's manholes on those bridges. If if you just like, you can actually open those with a finger, and you can get inside the bridges. And 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 there's a whole kind of infrastructural network under there that you can access. There's also I'll tell you a really cool story about Chicago. Yeah, please. So 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 uh, in London, where I did my PhD, I was going out with these urban explorers every night, sneaking into places, and we found. Uh, 
this this will sound like fiction, but it's real. We found a, a, a subterranean railway in miniature that was used to transport post mail across the city. Wow! It's, it's like like imagine a metro system, but it's like half the size with tiny tunnels, and they would fill these trains with mail bags, and then they would shoot the mail across the city. Now, obviously, the idea was this was more efficient than. Uh, transporting it at surface level. It mm. turns out that the London Mail Rail, as it was called, was actually modeled on a system in Chicago. Really? And there is a, yeah, there's a miniature post office mail system buried somewhere under Chicago that no one has ever seen. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, the urban explorers that I worked with have never seen it, uh, but it's down there somewhere. And I, I, I heard about two years ago that, that there were like uh, military training exercises that were taking place in this subterranean railway. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be really interested if any of your listeners know anything about it. I'd love to well, hear Well, if it. someone because, knows, uh, if someone knows, we want to hear from you at 312-981-72. That's amazing. fascinating. I had no idea that that was a thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it could, it could be an urban legend, but I don't think it is. I think there's some kind of remains down there, and I think they buried it. But this is what happens to a lot of these these um, uh, historical subterranean remains, right? That we we don't we're not sure what to do with them, so we end up just kind of burying them or or different pieces of infrastructure, whether it's electricity lines or sewers or whatever. They end up sort of cutting through these spaces, yeah, and and they they disappear with time. But, you know, they're all down there, and that's that was part of this project, was going to find these these old bunkers that people were, were interested in rejuvenating to yeah. turn them into to doomsteads. All right. We're going to get into that as well. But, boy, that's really, that's really amazing. There could be a, a miniature railway system underneath the city here in Chicago. Yeah. If anybody, if anybody knows, uh, you, uh, you can give us a call, 312-981-7200, 312 312- Nine eight one seven two hundred. Isn't that crazy, Tom? <laughs> yeah. Now I want to find it. Now, Brett, do you plan on coming back and maybe going on that expedition? Uh, you know, my, my my family's from Elgin, so I come oh. back all the time. And yeah, I'm I'm uh, I I've climbed a couple of skyscrapers there that were under construction. Uh, I won't mention what they are in case the the property owners get frustrated, but. <laughs> um, Chicago is absolutely fascinating. I mean, the, the the layers of infrastructure underneath the city and the new construction taking place above the city. Yeah, it's just a it's it's just a playground for exploration. Yeah, yeah, it's a great city. It really is. Okay, uh, Brad, hang on. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Doctor Bradley Garrett is with us, author of Bunker Building for the End Times. He's also an urban explorer, a cultural geographer, and a, and he goes through subterranean spaces. We'll talk more about that. That's amazing. Might be a little miniature railway somewhere beneath the city here in Chicago. Okay, more with uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett coming up, and uh, we would love to hear from you if you uh, know anything about this uh, this this uh, railway or any other things. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Sweet. 
Alright Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN And uh, we are live in the Skyline studio Here until 4am uh, to Wednesday morning 312-981-7200 My guest is Dr. Bradley Garrett Author of uh, Bunker, Building for the End Times And uh, he's an urban explorer, a cultural geographer and uh, explores urban politics and subterranean spaces. And uh, he's written uh, several books. Uh, welcome back. So, uh, Doctor, let's uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, some of the other. What, before we get to the bunkers, what are some of the other unusual places in the in the underground world that you've uh, that you uh, that you have explored? Uh, it's it's a it's a vast landscape down there. Yeah. Um, if if you can imagine, we started we started tunneling seriously into the underground about 250 years ago, and the first thing we built was were sewers, which makes sense, right? right. We had pre, previous to that we had people you know emptying pots in the middle of the night that was not very efficient. Yeah. So we built uh, gravity fed sewers, and then we started thinking about our other infrastructure, you know, um, water. Uh, gas, electricity, um, and we started burying those. Then we buried transport systems, and then we started burying bunkers for war. Uh, and now, of course, we've got new infrastructure going in in major cities all over the world, uh, which is more efficient infrastructure. But it's it's kind of interesting uh, when you think about excavating the urban underground because you have to it's like it's like archaeology in reverse like normally when you when you excavate uh the soil you'll find the oldest things at the bottom Mm -hmm. but when you are talking about infrastructure it's flipped around so the newest things are at the bottom we have to keep going deeper and deeper when we build infrastructure so i've i've been all over the planet uh exploring paris moscow uh Chicago, New York, London, um, trying to uh, get my head around what vertical geography means, you know, how how the density that we now support that sustains these, these incredible urban populations is predicated upon deep excavation into the soil. You know, if those infrastructural systems didn't exist, there's no way we could we could have built the societies that we have. And of course, you know, now we know in the middle of this pandemic that it's also um, a gateway to disaster, you know, yeah. putting all these people in, in uh, tight, confined spaces. Uh, it opens up the possibility for things to go wrong. And uh, the doomsday preppers that I've been hanging out with over the past couple of years are really attuned to this. And some of those subterranean spaces that, that I used to explore with the urban explorers have now become spaces to uh, sort of buckle down and ride out the uh, inevitable disasters that will that will befall all of us. So you've been described as a place hacker. What what exactly does that mean? <laughs> um, imagine so everything you know the lives that we live are are a fiction, right? We've we've created a society that functions in a particular way. And that's dependent upon very fragile infrastructures. It's dependent upon uh, 
infrastructural supply lines, trucks bringing in food, grocery stores operating, restaurants being open. You know, all of those things are uh, human creations. Um, and that's that's the the advancement of, of society and civilization. But what happens eventually is that we all become sort of blind to the infrastructure. It becomes a kind of magic. You know, you, you put your trash can out and it disappears. We don't really know where it goes, right? Yeah. I mean, no, no, no one's really interested in trying to figure that out. But it's kind of like it's kind of like the the operating system on your phone, right? Like you just you click the app and it opens and it functions, right? You don't really want to know who built the app or why they built it, or you know, there's a whole background there. So, my idea of place hacking is that places uh, that we normally interact with are like that operating system on your phone. It's it's just something you open and it functions. But if you get into the code and you start pulling things apart. Uh, there's a there's an analog there to um, uh, you know understanding code, understanding how things are built, uh, understanding infrastructure, uh, water systems, sewer systems, waste systems. All of that is is a kind of uh, a hack, right? Because once you understand how that stuff functions, then it puts you in a position of 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 power, right? It gives you some agency back. You understand how those things work, and that's why I, I think of it as a hack, mm-hmm. right? Because it's 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 not necessarily knowledge you're supposed to have, but it gives you a position of of agency if you if you can retain that knowledge. Mm. Okay, so there you go. Uh, now you, your adventures in place hacking got you in a little trouble with the UK government. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, we we uh, so earlier we were talking about the the uh, the mail rail. Yeah. the subterranean uh, uh, railway. We found that in 2010, and it had been mothballed in um, 2001, I think. So the, the, the post office decided that it wasn't financially expedient to keep using this thing. And uh, when we went down there, we found the trains still running, the lights still on, and... Uh, what are you going to do when you find the truth? I mean, there, it's an empty system down there. So of course, you know, we, we turned on the lights and started a train and uh, <laughs> we drove down the, tra- drove down the tracks a bit. And, but here's, here's the thing about train tracks is that if you don't, if you don't do maintenance on them, like all other infrastructure, uh, they get a bit warped and, and we, uh, we derailed the train. Oh no. And, yeah, I mean it wasn't. We didn't do it on purpose, but uh, anyway, police got involved, and and uh, we ended up in court. Uh, I have to say, the British courts are pretty forgiving. They <laughs> they could understand why we would want to, um, you know, ride a train that was built in the early 1900s that no one had seen in a decade. Uh, but we still had to to pay a small price for what we had done. Yeah. Now, how, 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 how many people were you with? How many of, the, of them were you? Uh, the the explorers that I worked with there, there were about there were about twenty of us that were that were active, and probably a dozen of us that were out going out uh, three or four times a week, and we were finding incredible things. I mean, this is it's hard to relate to people, but um, we got into 
the subterranean infrastructure, telecommunications infrastructure, that was connecting London to New York City. So all of the financial transactions, for instance, that go over fiber optic cables and mm-hmm. pass through submarine tunnels, mm-hmm. uh, we actually accessed those tunnels, and we, we were staring at the cables you know, that were, they were facilitating billions of dollars of transactions every day. Um, we got into these uh, bunker systems that were constructed during the Cold War that were, that were developed specifically to uh, evacuate government officials in the event of a nuclear strike on London. Wow. Uh, I mean, just, we found incredible spaces down there, and it's, it's, it's hard for many of us to imagine, you know, <laughs> given that most of us live paycheck to paycheck and, and uh, you know, struggle to keep a roof on the house or whatever yeah. or pay the rent. You know, it's hard to imagine the government just blowing all this money on, on kind of, you know, superfluous infrastructure, but it's, it's all down there and it's, it's available to find. Um, and it, it began to feel, I mean, I started that project with the urban explorers as a, as a researcher, but it began to feel like investigative journalism. Like we, we were revealing all of this kind of, you know, bizarre stuff that, that people were, um, actually quite angry to find out was, was, was built with taxpayer money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. Now, when you go on these uh, explorations, do you do you do you guys bring, you know, video cameras and record things and 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 all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we take we take cameras, video cameras, uh, uh, extra light sources because ine- inevitably you'll you'll you know your head torch is going to die, your headlight's going to die, your your phone light's going to die. You know, you just have to keep keep yourself going. Uh, I mean, there were, there were times when we would spend three days underground, uh, and you you would have to kind of wiggle from one infrastructure to another. Um, the most incredible place I ever explored was Minneapolis. Actually, really, we would go. Yeah, we would go from we would sort of carve our way through the the uh, soft sand underneath the city, and we could connect from a sewer to an electricity tunnel uh, and then pop out in these kind of vast cavernous spaces. Um, The, the, the underground of Minneapolis is like Swiss cheese. Really? And you can, you can, you can literally move through it with a spoon. I mean, it's the, the, it's hard packed sand underneath the city, but you can go down there and you can, you can dig it out and you can move through it like a worm. It's absolutely bizarre. That is so and, strange. And I know it's really weird, but the the uh, government's been tunneling down there for a long time, and I hooked up with this urban exploration crew out there called the Termites, <laughs> and and they've been they they've been digging around in there forever, and uh, they've they've actually created their own tunnel systems, which which the the uh, local authorities have no idea are down there. Wow. Okay, uh, uh, Brad, hang on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett is with us. Uh, all, his latest book is uh, Bunker, Building for the End Times, and we'll talk more about that. That's amazing. That's fascinating stuff. Learning so much about this city and then Minneapolis, is the it's Swiss cheese. <laughs> and we uh, we still want to get into the world of, uh, of uh, prepping. These are what they call their preppers for, the, uh, for end times, and uh, the, the book is called Bunker. 
Okay, Dr. Bradley Garrett is my guest on 720 WGN. Uh, here's some news. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4. Um, yeah. Uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett is my guest, author of uh, several books, the latest being Bunker, Building for the End Times. This is when he went into the um, the world of prepping and explored some bunkers. Um, 3.7 million Americans are prepping on some scale. And uh, we'll get into that. Um, and here is uh, Brad. Brad, welcome. Welcome back. Hey, good to be back, Nick. All right, man. Uh, we have uh, someone on the phone here, uh, and it's uh, Carrie. Go ahead, Carrie. Oh, hey, Nick. Uh, hey, uh, fascinating topic. Um, but, yeah, come to Chicago and, and dig. Um, a lot of that railway system is actually still there, from what I understand. Uh, it was uh, completed... In the early 1900s, I think around 1909 is when it was in its heyday. Um, it was initially, in true Chicago fashion, it was corrupt. It, it was <laughs> the, 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 the company that was was given the land rights or under underground land rights to do it. It was supposed to be, from what I understand, to lay um, communication cables like you've been talking about and, and you know, uh, telephone lines, things like that. But then suddenly, suddenly they had enough room to put a uh, very intricate system for I understand, it was about a 50-mile uh, system of uh, very narrow-gauge electric railway, about two feet wide, and it it, it, it would carry goods, coal, waste ashes um, uh, on several different levels underneath the city. And uh, I, I came to find out about it watching one of Jeffrey Baird. I'm sure Nick, you, you know oh, Jeffrey Baird. sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I saw that, and I, I, I started looking at it because it's fascinating. Um, but... There, there's got to be a lot of it still there. Um, and it, Marshall Fields uh, was one of the major users of it, uh, and they had a very intricate system where they, they had multi-levels where the cars would actually go and go up and down to move goods, packages, coal, things like that. Wow. And the, the, the tunnel system is actually most famous for the um, 1992 Great Flood of Chicago. Yeah. W- w- that, that was what breached. It was one of those tunnels. And... Um, I think it was Ron LaSalle and Kinsey, you know, right by the river. That's exactly yeah. where it was. That's exactly where yeah. the whole thing started. That's where the workers that, were. That's where it breached. It flooded everything. Cause yep. it, it just flooded all this. So it's it's all there somewhere. So if you want to come and dig, please do and, and yeah. let us know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kerry, thank you so much for the information, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Right, take yep. care. That's cool. How about that, Brad? Wow. That, Kerry, that was that was awesome. Um, I, 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 what I normally do since I'm a geographer, is I get historical maps, and then I'll, I'll go and I'll overlay those on modern maps and then try and find intersections. And I came out a couple of years ago, and I popped, like, six manholes in the middle of the night trying to find that tunnel system, and uh, I found a bunch of dead ends, but maybe that was because of the flood. 
maybe well, you know it could th- be that the whole system got flooded out and backed up. And- that's that might be what happened. That might be what happened, Brad, because that was a crazy. I mean, that was a crazy thing. I mean, you're you're you said you got family in Elgin. I'm sure that they remember uh, how crazy that was. It was I'll never forget. It, it was April thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. That was the that was the day of the insane flood in the loop, and I was on my couch watching the whole thing. It was crazy. It's this is this is what I mean. The more complex societies become, the, the more potential there is for disaster. That's just a that's a fact of life. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, it, you know, this is this is how I got interested in, in uh, doomsday preppers because, uh, you know, they're thinking about these things all the time. Right. What could go wrong. Right. And and the more complicated society gets, the more things can go wrong. What is it? What's the prepper? culture like can you give me a little impression uh, 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 about that well the last three years I've, I've spent time with people building multi-million dollar subterranean skyscrapers and people who are just you know building uh, uh going totally off grid building solar panels and battery backup systems and wind turbines in their backyards um the prepper the prepper culture is actually extremely diverse in terms of um, social, political, religious ideologies. You know, people, it's, it, people across the board um, have this sense of unease. But I think, you know, many, many of us felt before the pandemic, and now we feel very, oh, in, yeah. in very visceral terms, yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely, yeah. that, 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 that things are not quite going in the right direction. Um, and so people are, are just... Uh, bulking up their their ability to deal with disaster it's it's really about um about resiliency a little bit of stockpiling but but mostly about community uh which is something that you know in the last 20 or 30 years has really uh fallen off the radar for a lot of us yeah so a lot of people are are meeting their neighbors again and thinking about uh how to get thing through things together um and that's uh that's a crucial part of prepping. So, I, you know, when I when I started working on this project, I expected to find a bunch of um, sort of I don't know right wing paramilitary paranoid <laughs> weirdos. Yeah. And actually, actually, I found a lot of like very sincere, genuine, cool people who were di- who were just um, uh, wanted to be able to take care of themselves and their community, and not necessarily have to lean on uh, uh, the state or the government to be able to do that. Yeah. Were they welcoming to you? This this uh, this community. The the people who were living in uh, the communities that I visited, they were very welcoming. But the people who were who were building those communities, I I came to call them the dread merchants in the book. Um, you know their their whole business model is predicated on 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 sort of stoking our fears yeah yeah yeah. so you know if we're worried about whatever it is you know climate change social unrest you know war with china whatever people are are concerned about um if you're selling bunkers or freeze-dried food or or water supply or whatever it is um, you know, it's in your interest to stoke everyone's fears yeah. and get everyone worked up. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so, you know, I got a I got a very different narrative when I spoke to the people who were selling uh, this stuff 
as opposed to the people who are living in those communities. Um, the people who are living in those communities that I visited over the past three years were were um, very welcoming. They're very very uh, um, inclusive. Uh, I don't know. I almost want to say wholesome. Like they're they're like just cool people. You know, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed spending time with them, um, and they they were not anxious as i expected they were actually just uh uh you know they're very much at peace more than most of us because you know i like most people i live paycheck to paycheck and you know i i showed up there to to write a story and i and i suddenly ran into these people who said you know if we need to button up this bunker and stay inside for three months or six months, we could do that. Mm. And it just, it kind of blew my mind because I just, I didn't, I don't know. I don't think that way or I didn't think that way. So you learned a lot uh, in, in writing this book, especially about uh, uh, the people who are prepping and, and that community. I certainly did. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've been depending upon infrastructure that I that I trust. Uh, I, I expect that when I go, when I leave my house, I can go to the grocery store and get what I want. Yeah, you know, I want I want fruit and vegetables out of season, and I want to click that button on Amazon and get something tomorrow. If it doesn't show up in forty eight hours, I, I send an angry email. You know, <laughs> I mean, we've all, we, you know, we've we've all become. Um, so dependent upon these these very fragile systems that were built um i, I mean just like the subterranean infrastructure of cities you know it, it's built in some kind of like magical realm that we don't understand yeah and and we've all found out during this pandemic what happens when some of those infrastructures start to break down yeah you know yeah. in the yeah and the hand sanitizer and the toilet paper and the water and the, you know, pasta disappears. Um, <laughs> you know, when the shelves are empty, it's, it's really disconcerting. It, it certainly um, is. Yeah. But, what, but, but what, what all of the preppers told me is, you know, when, when times are good, that's when you set things aside. Yeah. And then when, when, when things get lean, uh, you make it through. And what I, what I came to realize is that that's a, that's the way we've all lived for a long time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, for millions of years, right? Like, yeah. you, you prepare for winter, you stockpile, you you hunker down, you depend on your community. And it's only been the last couple of decades that we've sort of forgotten that mentality. So I don't think prepping is something new. I think it's actually a return to the old ways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hold on a second, Brad, okay? We'll Talking with uh, Dr. Bradley Garrett, who's the author. His latest book is called Bunker, Building for the End Times. Uh, fascinating stuff and exploring a, a community of people who are prepping. And we're going to get uh, more details on it and talk more about the book uh, with Dr. Bradley Garrett right here on 720 WGS. <laughs> Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio until 4 o'clock. It's uh, Wednesday morning. That means we've got uh, 
Know Your Onion coming up. That's where uh, we'll get two uh, contestants, first two callers in. And Tom will quiz you uh, by reading some news headlines, and you have to decide whether they're real or they're from the satirical newspaper, The Under The Onion. Uh, Craig Glenday, who is editor in char- uh, editor in uh, chief of the Guinness Book of World Records, is going to join us. The latest edition will be released on September third, uh, and it's always a lot of fun to talk about those uh, world records. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Dr. Bradley Garrett is my uh, guest. He's author of, of many books, including the, his latest, which is Bunker, Building for the End Times. Uh, okay, uh, Brad, it's, uh, having, having a conversation here. Did you find that um, that these preppers and even all of us, do do all of us have like a morbid curiosity with the end of the world? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, You know, I, so many of us are... are uh, frustrated with our jobs and feel like we're underpaid and, you know, have that sense that the, the American dream isn't quite what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So there's been this, this, yeah, as you, as you say, a morbid curiosity, but, um, uh, a real hunger for, for post-apocalyptic video games and novels. Um, people want to kind of imagine, going back to to a time when they have to depend on their own skills or they imagine a new age of abundance you know where uh we aren't stressed for resources anymore half the population's disappeared and you know we can all venture out into the world and and uh, find the things we need um I have to say that you know since the pandemic a, a lot of that has <laughs> has vanished yeah. Uh, because we're we're living through an apocalypse right now. This is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it's not what we expected. You know, you don't get to gas around robbing people in the middle of the night. It's it's more of a kind of you know slow stamina required to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah, you know, yeah. like what what is going to happen next? The one a lot of the bunker builders that I've been hanging out with, um, they. Uh, build for a specific period of time. So they build for three days or three weeks or three months or five years, whatever it is. Um, And I asked them about that, you know, what, you know, it seems arbitrary. Like how, you know, how can you, how can you prepare for three months? How do you know the thing you're preparing for is in the last three months and three days? Right. And they told me it doesn't matter (laughs) because, um, we're prepping for the for the present, right? It's not it's not actually about the thing that might happen. Yeah, yeah. It's about giving your giving yourself a sense of peace now that you've got you've got an insurance policy in place and you can make it through a period of time. And uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I I called some of the preppers that I knew that were living in South Dakota. And I said, you know, what's what's going? Are you are you pulling the trigger? Are you going out there? Are you gonna are you gonna button up the bunker and stay in there? And they said, yep, we're we're all out here. We're doing our fourteen days of of self isolation, and then we're and then we emerge into this kind of community of bunker enthusiasts, and we know that we're safe. But and and this is interesting. They said, more importantly. Um, we know that by being here, we're not putting pressure on uh, communal resources. We don't have to go to grocery stores. 
we will not end up in a hospital, right? We, like, we're not going to stress out frontline workers. So they, they saw it as actually a gift to everyone else. It wasn't about saving themselves. It was about giving something to everyone else. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, that's an interesting way to yeah, look at it. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. It was, it was a surprising uh, turn in my research for the book. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this community that you're talking about is in South Dakota, and it's the X-Point Bunker Community. Is that what they call it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, these, these, are, these are bunkers that were built during World War II, um, and they were uh, built to store munitions. So basically, they had they had bombs in them during World War II. Oh, and uh, these the, now families are starting. Because obviously, they're long gone. They decommissioned the base, but it's it's three quarters the size of Manha- of Manhattan. Jeez, it's a huge space. Yeah, oh. and and uh, there's about forty families that are, have moved into there, and they've got water infrastructure up and running. Um, uh, a lot of people have generators and wind turbines, uh, battery backup systems, um, and they're 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 cool people. Yeah, they're a lot of fun to hang out with. It's amazing. Um, but they they're, they're building themselves a new community, um, and they they call it the X Point because they imagine it as the the point from which humanity is going to reemerge after a great calamity. And I asked them point blank. You know, was this is is this pandemic the calamity you were waiting for? And they said this is just a warm up for what's coming. Jeez, wow! Tell me about this insane survival condo in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, okay. survival condo, man. I, <laughs> so, so, so I met this I met this property developer who used to work for the the Department of Defense. Um, and he built bunkers for the government. And uh, when he wrapped up his contracts there, um, he bought uh, an Atlas F missile silo for three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And started building um, a subterranean condominium complex. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. I call it a I call it a geoscraper in my book. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. You know, it's like the opposite of a skyscraper. It's like in inside the earth rather than on top of the earth. Right. I didn't quite know what to call it. But if you if you flip this thing over, it's two hundred feet deep. So if you flipped it over, it would be the second tallest building in Kansas. Wow. And yeah, and, and he bought it for three hundred thousand dollars and then he spent ten million uh turning it into this fifteen story subterranean condominium complex that's amazing and yeah it's i mean it's it's i you you can you can google it oh okay <laughs> you can look at the photos you can look at the photos but you won't believe it's real you'll think this is photoshop or you know it's like i'm being duped or whatever yeah i can i can promise you i spent i spent two or three days inside this thing it's it's very real it's got a it's got a uh, a shooting range, a swimming pool, uh, a cinema, a, a bar. That's amazing. I, I get, That's unbelievable. There's a, there's a dog park down there. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the most incredible thing you can imagine. Um, but here's here's what's really disturbing. Is I asked the guy. The guy's name is Larry Hall. The built in. Okay. And I asked him, why did you decide? I mean, what what could possibly motivate you? 
to spend $10 million building this thing. And he said, when I worked for the Department of Defense and I realized what, what I was building their bunkers for, I knew I needed my own. Mm. And, it, I mean, this this is, uh, it starts to sound like conspiratorial or something, but um, uh, the more people I talked to, uh, the more people told me uh, that they were uncomfortable with the pace of civilization, if you want to call it that, right? I mean, it. it if you look at what we were doing 2,000 years ago and 200 years ago, you know, we, we are all going through this kind of exponential explosion yeah, yeah. of um, technological, social, political change. And every single person that I spoke to said, this is all, this is going to end in in a disaster yeah. at some point. And they, and they don't know what that's going to be, right? Um, in the past, we might have, might have said that was going to be nuclear war. Um, but now we're just facing this kind of uh, just myriad existential threats that could all um, uh, collapse things around us. And that's what they're preparing for. Wow. Well, Larry Hall was on the on on the far end of that thing though, building his uh, ten million dollar subterranean skyscraper. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> wow, that's something, man. This is fascinating stuff. Uh, do you have a, a a website where people can uh, check some stuff out and uh, and and get and have a link to the book? Yeah, my website's bradleygarrett dot com. Um, uh, you can find me on on social media. I'm Goblin Merchant everywhere on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right, and uh, yeah, if anyone wants a, a signed copy of the book, send me a message. I'll I'll get one to you somehow. That's great. That's great. Bunker Building for the End Times is available now. Uh, fascinating stuff, uh, Brad. It was really great to talk to you. Uh, really interesting stuff, and and congratulations on the success. And what a what a what a fascinating uh, uh, culture that you just uh, that you talked about with us. Really great stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Okay, buddy. Take care. That's uh, Doctor. Uh, uh, Bradley Garrett, and the book is called Bunker, Building for the End Times. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty interesting stuff. What a, what a world. What a culture, man. Um, it's a big thing. There's a lot of people involved across the country who are prepping and building bunkers and all that kind of stuff, and you can read all about it in his book um, called Bunker.